Hi, everybody. Time again for another Word Balloon comic book conversation. This is John Suntress. Man, I'm going to start a two-parter today that is, uh, frankly, exceptional. And uh, I know I've been using that word a lot this month. But, uh, you know, you go back and uh, look at the list of guests that we've had, and I honestly think they and the uh, conversations they provided justify that. Uh, I'm talking about uh, great guests like, uh, let me just off the top of my head, Alex Ross, John Morris. My last episode was a really fun talk about uh, the Golden and Silver Age. Alex Ross uh, goes back and gives us his candid views on uh, where the superhero is. If you like old Hollywood, Don Nunley, the uh, prop master on the Steve McQueen film Le Mans, gives a perspective that uh, is unique because he was there and had a lot of great old Hollywood stories. Jim Zub updates us on Glitter Bomb, his wrap-up to Thunderbolts, and uh, what's coming as he moves on to his next Marvel assignments. He's going to be doing a lot for the Secret Empire event. Gary Gianni uh, gave us a great talk about uh, his recent collaboration on Hellboy. Had an amazing Ray Bradbury story, and I always love talking about Gary, uh, things with Gary because... Uh, we, we share the same interests, and it was a, a lot of fun and a deep dive into uh, older geek uh, continuity. His uh, wrap-up uh, run on uh, Prince Valiant, the comic strip continues, but he gives us his insight on working on a daily adventure comic strip. Uh, we had Alex Segura talk about how to build a detective novel. And, uh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving stuff out. We also had uh, Jerry Duggan, Aaron Cooter, and Jordan White. Uh, talking about their run on uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy in a Marvel press conference. And, of course, Rob Salkowitz talked about uh, the big debate right now in comics, and that is uh, comic book diversity and the direct market. And, uh, you know, can uh, can the big publishers serve both interests as they try to, and how well they're doing? Is it impossible? Great conversation with Rob. And uh, to culminate, April, I present this two-parter, with Dan Slott. And Dan is back. Uh, last time we talked to Dan, as I say in, at the beginning of our conversation, it was the press conference to uh, the Clone Conspiracy. And uh, we also uh, we talk about the wrap-up of that, his thoughts on that compared to other events. Um, of course, a, a deep dive into the Spider-Man universe. Not only do we talk about Dan's work on Amazing and the Clone Conspiracy, but we get into the creation of Silk, um, What's going on in the other books, whether it's uh, Venom or the wrap-up to Dennis Hopeless's Spider-Woman and uh, great uh, thoughts from uh, not only Dan but uh, other Spider-Man creators that uh, Dan has encountered. And uh, then, of course, we have to talk about Doctor Who because it's back, new season, season 10. Uh, really, season, what, you know, 32 or whatever, if you go back to 1962. Uh, but uh, really great uh, thoughts on uh, where things are. 63, I guess, for Doctor Who. See, that's the nerd in me. We always got to correct ourselves. Always have to prove ourselves. But uh, this is a really fun conversation, and it went a hell of a lot longer than Dan and I expected. Almost four hours. And that's why it's broken up into two parts. You'll get uh, part one today, and before uh, uh, Sunday is through, uh, we will give you uh, part two. But, uh, man, just a really, really fun talk. So big. I mean, this is all the stuff we're talking about in part one. And then the stuff we're talking about in part two is equally insane. So a lot of fun, a lot of interesting thoughts from Dan Slott on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support uh, via Patreon. Uh, more new subscribers this month. I can't thank you enough. Um, 
you know, some some really fun things have happened uh, because of your involvement uh, with Word Balloon, supporting it as you do. And uh, if you can uh, spare, if you think uh, the content is good and you think you can spare uh, the price of a comic book a month, is that too much to ask uh, in uh, supporting Word Balloon? Uh, go to wordballoon.com, click on the Patreon ad, it will take you to my Patreon page. And uh, let me thank all of you who have uh, contributed over the years to Word Balloon. Thank you very much for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. And uh, there are great books waiting for you at InStock Trades at great prices. Some uh, great books from this week. Um, you can get Batman, Two Face, Face to Face, Deluxe Edition. Don Kramer is the artist, our friends, uh, both. I, man, all three of these guys. I like all of them. James Robinson, Don Kramer, and Leonard Kirk. Great guys. Uh, two have been on Word Balloon. Len hasn't been on yet, but uh, I, I, have, I feel like that's just an inevitability. Uh, Simone Bianche uh, gave us the cover, and uh, this is really a great deep dive into the mind of Harvey Dent in a way that only James Robinson and Kramer and Kirk can provide. 50% off. It's just $17.49. You can get uh, Black Widow Trade Paperback Volume 2, No More Secrets, uh, the wonderful team of Mark Wade and Chris Somney. 42% off. It's just $10.43. Justice League Volume 2, uh, Outbreak from Brian Hitch and Matthew Clark. Excellent stuff. And uh, also, uh, who else? Neil Edwards is in there. Daniel uh, Her- Her- Henriquez and uh, Adriano Lucas are among the creative team on uh, this volume. It's 42% off, $9.85. I feel bad when I just tell talk about mainstream books. There's Saga, the deluxe edition hardcover volume two. Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples. Great collection. Wonderful book. 42% off, $28.99. Just a few of the books on sale at InStockTrades.com. You'll find what you're looking for at amazing prices. And don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, let us pick up our conversation with Dan Slott. Uh, This is a big one, a long one. It's uh, Bendis Tapes long, and uh, that's good. Because uh, Dan's an interesting deep thinker, is doing amazing stuff, not only on Spider-Man, but also Silver Surfer. Uh, The majority of the Silver Surfer talk comes in part two, but part one you're going to love. Lots of Spider-Man talk and insight from Dan Slott on Word Balloon. Always happy to welcome Dan Slott back to Word Balloon. Last time we heard Dan on the show was uh, the Marvel press conference for the Clone Conspiracy. And a lot has happened since then. Many issues and even uh, uh, an anniversary issue of sorts. Oh, oh my God, it's been that long. Uh, no, because you say clone conspiracy and it's like rings in a tree to me. It's like, oh, that was the year we had the drought. Look at the size of that ring. It's so tiny. And then this year it was flush. You know, it was the clone conspiracy. Was, oh, man, that was crazy getting through all of that. Um, Worked out. Good story. Uh, uh, I never know how we're going to get through any event until it's over. Sure. And then it's done, and I'm like, God bless you, editorial, for cracking the whip, for keeping that going. They're, and every time we get through one of them, I always go, I am never doing one of those again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just going to – I'm going to sit on my, my little Luke Skywalker lonely island, and I am just going to write my stories. 
I've been and I'll be happy. I've been impressed that I saw the uh, there is a collected edition, and my fear was uh, slightly uh, you know relieved in terms of it seems to have the entire story, not just uh, the five issue event, but also the Amazing Spider Man issues and the Omega issue and all all that uh, all that good stuff. We it's weird the um, when we did Spider Verse, mm-hmm. we thought it would be so much nicer to the readers if we. We all like in the collection treat it like a, you know, like one of those. What's that called? Is it a parfait? That like Jello thing where it's with the layers. Yeah, yeah. Where we kept everything separate and let the reader, you know, instead of trying to Mix slice it all up and make it chronological, we thought it would be cleaner. You know, like the look of it for, oh, it's everything by this one artist and one writer. It's everything by this one writer and one artist. And then you could work it out. And I can't tell you the number of fans I've met at cons who were just livid over this. That have There's so many copies of Spider-Verse where people have taken multicolored tabs all over the top. <laughs> you know, like... Calling and, it. Yeah. So they can figure out the, the correct order to read it in. So we we did it the same way in that collection, but this time we provided a, a treasure map. Like if you really want to know, this is the official order. You know that the, that's <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is all in one piece, like a parfait, looking nice and clean. But here's the magic treasure map if you really want to read it in order. I hope the pages are strong enough to handle everyone <laughs> rifling back and forth. I, yeah, it's like, how do you, it's tricky because you, you look at something like Silk or the Prowler and mm-hmm. you kind of want it to read in one piece. But it also, you know, it's. I don't know, Dan. I, I honestly, I hear what you're saying, but I got to be honest. I would say, no, give it to me chronologically. I honestly, I really think that's like a big barrier. For the big two, in terms it, of you know, oh, we got we got to keep the art pristine, and there, you know something oh. honestly, because I do want to <laughs> obviously I want your opinion, but yeah. there are things like Silver Surfer when we get to it that yeah. God forbid you know you had done an issue without Mike and Laura. Oh, oh, Mike and I were just talking about stuff like that today. Uh, no, I, I hear you. It's it's weird. You know, you'll get this reference because we're the oh, same yeah, age, yeah, yeah. but it was like <laughs> it's it's a. It's a floor cleaner and a dessert topping. Exactly. Shimmer. You, you want it to be both <laughs> things. Um, SNL. A first, yeah. uh, maybe first season SNL, but definitely early SNL because it was a Dan Aykroyd. Or no, it was a Chevy commercial. Oh, no, no, so it was definitely it, first season. No, no, it's it's Dan Aykroyd with the mustache. Oh, I thought, um, okay. So well, then it's, it's, it's still his first season. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's still like core Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, but it's, they want, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm sure I've done this gag for you before. It's the uh, the old uh, Yiddish joke with the wife with the two ties. I don't know that one. Go ahead. Um, old Yiddish joke. My grandma used to love telling it. Um, where a wife gets her husband for his birthday two ties, a red tie and a blue tie. And uh, the next morning he gets up uh, heading down for breakfast and he wants to. He thinks to himself, you know, I'm going to show my wife how much I like that, how much I appreciate her gift. And he puts on the uh, the red tie, straightens up, goes down to breakfast, goes, huh? Huh? And she looks at him and goes, What's the matter? You don't like the blue tie. <laughs> <laughs> and that is every fan of any kind of like 
a hardcore thing like comics or Firefly or anything. Whatever you do, there's two options. You're not going to make anybody happy. That's true. That's well. We'll yeah. get and you know, of course, we're going to talk Doctor Who because uh, uh, new season has begun. So we can we can discuss uh, the first. We can discuss pilot. Uh, yes. The first, yes, yes, the first episode and everything, but uh, no, no, and I and I and I'm glad you understand where I'm coming from, and I think where a lot of uh, readers are coming from in terms of yeah, just do the story, man. I'm like, however, however, it could come out, and and I mean, hey, like you said, editorial. There, as far as I know, there was no delays on clone conspiracy. Oh no, it it all uh, it all just came out very nicely and lovely. Uh, everything like smooth. Uh, we had a. Um, we had a thing where, well, it's with with Spider-Man and Silver Surfer. Um, one of those two properties obviously makes Marvel more revenue. So they they crack the whip harder on Spider-Man. Sure. And if there's a situation where they need Spider-Man and Silver Surfer out of me, they go, yeah, yeah, put the Silver Surfer over there and get us that Spider-Man. I get you. Like, Spider-Man can't miss shipping. Ever. How many times a year? Is it eighteen or is it more? Um oh god, there's 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 stuff I gotta watch where I gotta like can I tell John the whole story now? Or is this something where I have to tell you like, oh <laughs> now that it's many years later, let okay. me tell you the real story. Right. Um yeah. but yeah, we with Spidey, like when we were working on it in brand new day, it was three times a month. Mm-hmm. And then with Big Time, it was two times a month. And um, I had talked to them at one point going, like, I am I am burning out. <laughs> this yeah. is tough. Um, to produce it this rapidly and this fast. And when you do that, you I – mean, one of the – it's not a secret. I talk about it a lot. One of the, the trials of doing Spider-Man is that you're constantly writing it out of order. Mm-hmm. Um, I have multiple stories going at the same time and to work with multiple artists, you have to be telling chapter two of this story while that guy is drawing chapter one of the next story. Mm-hmm. And that other guy is drawing chapter three of the third story. Then it's all coming at you. So you're constantly writing everything out of order. And there's no, like if you're writing a book, like, like I do with Mike with surfer, where you tell one issue at a time, one issue at a time, you tell it each month. If something organic happens in the story, you go, Oh, I wanted to, you know, explore that. Or what if we did this? Or what if we did that? You can, there's a whole different, way you can do this you know tell that kind of story um but with spider-man all the trains are are running on time there is no no you don't get to add an extra issue to that story you don't get to do this or that because we know the other store the other train is lined up on the tracks Got it. and it all has to match and it all has to go together so you um so there is a little you know, inflexibility because of that. And that's part of the challenge of working on Spider-Man. And it's an extra plate you have to keep spinning. And sometimes it goes to your favor where um, they'll, they'll come by and they'll go, we are Marvel and we need you to tie in to this year's big event. Mm -hmm. And you kind of look at them and you go, I ain't doing that. Because all the trains are lined up, and your event is six months in the future, and we're already seven or eight months in the future. Wow. We don't have we don't have the maneuverability 
to to do the event right now. So here's my suggestion. What if we have a side Spider-Man miniseries and maybe we can get Chris Gage to write it mm-hmm. and I'll give some notes and we'll see how it can all line up. You know, and editorial will be great with that. Um, and then there's some cases with stuff like uh, Secret Wars or um, Secret Empire. There's a lot of secrets, aren't there? Yes, indeed. I was going to ask about uh, Secret Empire, but I, I think you just telegraphed, but go ahead. But uh, where they'll go, this is really important, and we really think Spider-Man should be a part of it. Um, you need to, We're going to work this out far enough ahead that no matter how you're doing the trains, you are a part of this. So with that, we had Renew Your Vows ready to go, and boom. And with this, I'm, I'm currently working on Secret Empire issues, so it all ties in with, with what Nick's doing. Um, it, it, it's a different kind of challenge. Um, but stuff like that, it, it can burn you out because sure. it's not it's like writing a normal book. It's writing a normal book you know, while standing on one foot and you know, rubbing your belly and patting your head. It's there's there's a kind of you know people look at stuff like that Silver Surfer issue where it's uh, a Mobius strip and half of it's written upside down yeah and I'm like that's a blessing <laughs> you know I'm usually doing you don't see the extra the extra maneuvers we have to do and and the brain power that you got to spend to make sure that Spider Man works. Um, and I had asked Marvel at one point, can we drop down from 24 to 18 uh, issues a year? And they were like, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons I think there was a Spider-Man Deadpool book. Because you want X amount of Spider-Man stuff coming out. And we were going down to 18 a year. Did Jerry then, write that? Who wrote the Spider-Man Deadpool book? Oh, uh, Joe Kelly. Oh, okay, great. Oh, that's awesome, man! There's a guy that knows both characters inside and out. Very good. Yeah, so that uh, so that's one of the origins of the Spider-Man Deadpool thing. That like some, not not that's not the only reason it happened, but that was a factor into it happening. Was we were dropping down to eighteen on Amazing, um, and now, but what happened with the Clone Conspiracy, where lots of different things happened, where we talked to editorial and editorial talked to us and. Uh, the story kind of expanded and it became its own thing. And uh, Amazing then tied into it. So you needed five extra issues of Amazing. And I asked if Chris Gage could help me out. I made a deal with Marvel that we could drop down uh, to, to and go monthly for a while because I wanted to catch up on Surfer so that Surfer could be monthly for a while. Um, because I felt like it was the, you know, we abandoned it. it was, okay. <laughs> you look at the at the schedule for Surfer during Clone Conspiracy. Um, and it started, it became so infrequent that Newsarama did an article on it. You know, and people, people were like, oh my God, so it's taking forever for Surfer to come out. And it's like, oh, thank you, Newsarama, <laughs> for pointing that out. <laughs> That's made my day. Isn't it weird, given, again, our ages, that we live almost in this 24-7 comic book news cycle? Like, did you ever fathom that there would be that much, given that we grew up on amazing heroes coming out every month in the comics journal and 
you know, comics interview. And, you know, we had a nice little monthly interview, you know, this is pre-Wizard even. Yeah, it scares me. The news cycle is that small that that became a story. Um, but it, it, I made that deal with Marvel, so it was like, let's okay. get Surfer back on schedule, um, and I like so I can have the bandwidth to do that. Can we go down monthly for a while? Yeah, Dan, Jesus, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, honestly, I we I, believe me, it is it, it is a concern because you're a great you're a great Spider-Man writer in particular. Do you like? I'm sure you keep count of how many issues you're at. Yeah. And I know you've got the record. Is oh, it... I hate saying that. Okay, yes, well, I do. But I'm, yeah, I'm going to say it. I said it. You didn't say okay. it. Okay. But, like, are you are you over 200 issues? Is it, It's got to be. You, of course you are. You're like, what, well, 300? Uh, it's tricky. Um, the, you know, you're friends with Brian. Mm-hmm. And, and when I talk to Brian about this kind of stuff. <laughs> what doesn't count? Yeah, Brian's. Brian's I, know Freeport, I know we've had this conversation before. You yeah. said Freeport said annuals don't count. But go yeah. ahead. Brian's take is you count everything. <laughs> you know, and I I get really like a stickler because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the Brevoort camp. Like the annuals don't count. The miniseries don't count. These don't, so clone conspiracy, look. clone conspiracy doesn't count in your head. Uh, there's all these things that don't count in my head, and Brian's saying he's like, count it all, count it all. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so there's multiple numbers. So there's um, I, I'm currently at like 161 issues of the core title. Okay. But that's without counting it all. Like there's so many things that Brian would roll his eyes at me if I mentioned that didn't count. He's like, of course that counts. Of course it counts. It's a story. It's a Spider-Man story. It's writing Spider-Man, man. Go so like, I, I, like, for example, I've done multiple uh, free comic book day issues of okay. Amazing Spider-Man. And to me, that doesn't count. Um, I've done multiple point one issues. Right. You know, so like, do you count learning to crawl, which is, yes. you know, 1. 1, 1.1, 1. 1.2, 1. 1.3, 1. 1.4, 1. 1.5. Do you count... You know, all these different point one issues. There's so many. Um, when you when you start adding up those as well, it throws another. It, this is going to sound crazy. It throws another anywhere from thirty to forty issues. Okay, so you are close to two hundred. Go ahead. I'm, I'm I'm very close to if you if you use every part of the buffalo. I'm really <laughs> I'm really close to two hundred. But if you want to be a stickler. I'm at 161. All right. If you want to be a stickler. Well, well, because um, well, I know you just did the the anniversary issue and everything, the 999 issue. I just uh, uh, was it the, <laughs> the issue 25. Yeah. I did. There are times where I don't find out about stuff until uh, like we're in a big meeting. Like okay. I knew that was going to be a double size issue. Okay. I didn't know about everything else that was going to go in. I was told, oh yeah, that's our 999. I was, and I kind of did the. Spit take. Like the, what? <laughs> Danny Thomas, the Danny Thomas spit take. Yes. All right. What? Go on. And then, oh, the, the, the fans love it when we do that. <laughs> like, but, but you, everything will be fine. Everything works out. All right. Um, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, fans come at me going, I can't spend $10 on a comic. And I break the math down for them where I'm like, you're getting 40 pages of me and Stuart Eminem. So on? that's yeah. double size. Yeah, so if yeah. you spend three ninety nine on a comic, that's like getting you know two four dollar comics. That's eight dollars right there. What else there's a ten, there's a ten page uh, 
the Superior Spider-Man, uh, well, Superior Octopus story with me and Kevin Coley. Right. So right there, that's another two bucks. That's half a comic. So right there, you're at ten bucks. You know, <laughs> and people go, "What?" And I, I do all the math and I move all the, you know, put put the uh, the nut under the cup and I spin it around and I go, "There, see, it works." So it was. <laughs> so it was forty pages of you and Stuart, and then another uh, ten of. Pages. Of me and Giuseppe Camicoli, and so right there you're at you're at ten bucks. And what clean. else? What else is in there? And then there was all these other stories. How many? Um, there was a number where, um, but within that number there was um, an eight page, um, an eight to ten page uh, Chris Gage story. Nice. With Clash and Spider-Man, which will circle back, like it moves the ball down the field. There's stuff in that story that will come back into the book. Um, so it, it's important. You need to read it. And there was uh, Hannah, Hannah Blumenreich, who is amazing. She's um, an indie uh, artist writer. And she did the spider zine, which everyone should go find, where she kind of, without Marvel's permission, uh, did her own Spider-Man comics. Um, and they were just, they're fantastic. They all get, they're, they're all stories about heart. They're all stories about Peter Parker just dealing with the little things in life. Cool. And dealing with Aunt May or just swinging around and hanging out with kids or talking to people on the street. It's, none of it is Spider-Man fights Scorpion. It's all heart. It's all just, you know. That's cool. Um, they're beautiful, beautiful stories. And they really get to what Peter Parker is all about and Hannah's take on it. And uh, Nick Lowe reached out to her and said, would you like to do an all-new story? We'd love to run it in this special issue. And it's just, it's not just a standout in that issue. It's its a standout in Spidey stories. Cool. I think Marvel would be crazy not to do a Hannah Blumenreich Spider-Man book. Wow. Yeah, it's, she's just wonderful. Um, and, and, and go and read. If you, if you have 25 and you don't like uh, Hannah's story in there, you're crazy. Um, cause it's, it's so spidey. Um, but, yeah. So, and I think you're, it's also for people who have that itch. Um, you know, the, the chip book is coming out soon. Spectacular. Yes, go on, go on. That's going to, that's good. Uh, that's just going to be a wonderful book. Um, there's stuff happening soon and amazing where spidey, we've had spidey, be a fish out of water and try to run this giant global partner industry company. Mm -hmm. Um, and he very much global. So it's Spidey in London. It's Spidey in Shanghai. It's Spidey all over the world being Spider-Man and having these enormous adventures that are kind of out of, out of his usual pay rate. Um, and part of doing that was we knew when we came out of Secret Wars that Miles was going to be um, now firmly in the Marvel 616. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. supposed to say 616. And so none of the listeners on your podcast should pass that along to Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing gets Brevoort, you know, more on edge than someone saying 616. Like, this is the Marvel Universe. 
Here's a six one six. Tell but that now, to the readers, man, who've been like conditioned for the last twenty years. But go on. I know. Yeah, I love it's, it. Nah, no, man, that's your reader. Which is, is which is silly. It's something that starts in like Alan Moore, Captain Britain stories, and mm-hmm. all that, that we're so like over there. Um, <laughs> yeah, so maybe it's thirty years that it's uh, been going on. Now that I say that, yeah, that's uh, true. Jesus. Um, but we knew that Miles was going to get cycled into this universe. And make, doing the Peter Parker story where he goes global um, kind of helped because now Miles gets to be the New York Spider-Man. I get you. You know, and and using characters like Zodiac and whatnot, all these other things, it allowed other books like Spider-Woman and Miles and Silk. It allowed them to have more of the toy box you know, by having Spidey off in Japan and Spidey off in China and Spidey off in France. Sure. It'll, yeah. Um, it, it, we'd have these, you know, at our company meetings, uh, I'd be, okay, everybody, if you're using Spider-Man, he really shouldn't be in New York. He should be over here doing X, Y, and Z. And like, does he have, and people would be like, does he have an office in New York? Oh, yeah, he operates out of the Baxter building when he's in New York. But please don't use Spidey when he's in New because these are the other characters. So, you, if you're in New York, use Miles, use Silk, use. But if, if you want to use Spidey, try to have an adventure with him out of the country. And everyone would be like, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then they'd use Spidey in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and I get that because everybody who's working on something at Marvel, when you come to Marvel and you're a writer and you, you get to work at Marvel, you want to use Spider Man. And you want to use Spider-Man in New York. And I totally get that. But it would be like, guys. I hear you. Um, but again, yeah. that's that's where, you know, it, it, like don't let it get in the way of a good story, man. I got it. You know, I was just, uh, I forget who I was talking to about uh, Dwayne McDuffie. And mm-hmm. when, when he finally gets to write a Justice League comic book, cannot use a single goddamn frontline Justice League member. And to the point where he's like, well, how about the Atom? No. Well, how about Hawkman? No. Uh, well, who do I get? Well, you got Plastic Man, you got Satana, uh, you have Elongated Man, because you need two stretchy guys in one book. Oh. I mean, it was, seriously, it was like, what the fuck? We wanted Dwayne McDuffie doing Frontline Justice League like he did in animation so well. And it was, what a what a wasted, you know, period of time that poor Dwayne was writing the book. Oh, you're, I'm still pissed. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very much a four legs good, uh, two legs good, four legs good, two legs better kind of scenario. <laughs> Because, you know, when I was working on The Thing, yes. and I got to have them team up with all these other characters. Because in my mind, I wasn't writing Thing. I was writing Marvel 2-in-1. Damn straight you were. Um, I rem- we had that conversation, man. That was like one of our first talks. Go ahead. Yeah. And I was so happy. And when it was time to have Spidey show up in the book, <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. He's he's in this new uh, red and gold <laughs> spider iron. armor with extra – with three <laughs> arms – and I was, I was like, boot jets. I, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and I asked, like, can the, and they're like, oh, and the suit has a camouflage mode. It can look like anything. And I'm like, can it look like the old suit? <laughs> like, exactly. They're like, yeah, but you shouldn't do that. I'm like, okay. And in the plot, I have a scene with the, he's with the thing. And the thing's like, can you, can you make that thing look like the old suit? Because I'm an old fogey and I'm the thing, and that's what I want. And 
And Spidey's like, give me 20 bucks. And he gives him 20 bucks. And he makes it look like the old suit. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> because, Damn, yeah, because, but my take was, it's like, I get the right Spider-Man. He's in the right suit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, right. I don't care what you're currently doing. And now that I'm on the other side of the equation, I'm like, no, he's in the spider armor. It looks like this. And that spider has a weird neon blue glow thing. So it better be that way in your comics, everyone. And everyone's like, Brr. And so I'm, I'm looking at the next issue that's uh, coming out 2027. 20, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at an Alex Ross cover, I believe, of, uh, uh, of Spidey fighting the Skrulls in said armor, correct? And what, what, what? They're what at the end. Mean? At the end of issue twenty six, they tease the next issue. Oh, oh, oh they're uh, oh, those, those are goblins. Those aren't squirrels. Goblin Excuse masks. me, they are goblin men. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, goblin masks. Uh, oh, issue twenty seven. Every every issue of Spidey uh, now, it's like uh, my jaws on the floor. Is all this uh, Stuart Immonen art where you go? There is nothing I can't throw at him, you know. And that's the twenty seven is, you know, army of. Green Goblin guys, Spider-Man's got this. I don't want to give too much away, but it's Silver Sable. I'm just throwing everything in the kitchen sink, and you get back Stuart Eminem art, and you're like, wow, there's nothing I can't throw at him that he can't just make look awesome. Um, Like big, big, like giant action set pieces or little tiny side moments with characters. Everything... It's it's weird. I've yet to find the thing where I break him. <laughs> don't break him. We like. Him. I don't. I don't want to break him. He's fantastic. <laughs> He's amazing. And 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 Wade von Grabbacher and and uh, Marte. Everybody on this team is stunning. All the artwork that comes in, uh, you do kind of lose uh, a, a good like hour of your day when new art shows up because you just kind of you know the record scratches and you and you come to a stop and you go. I'm just going to look at this art for a while. I don't blame you, man. And also no. Alex Ross covers. Oh, my God. It, yeah. This this whole book is, is just nothing but blessings. Um, so lucky to be with all these people. No, it's a good story so far, man. And uh, I'm, I love seeing Silver oh. Sable back uh, in this little interlude. Uh, oh, but yeah, like, like we were saying, like, yeah, we're, we're getting to the point where Spidey's coming back to New York. Um because when we come out of secret empire and it's kind of fun and like it's cleaner that way. Cause like chip, you know, he's happy cause you get a chance to write Spidey and he's back in New York. It's like, sure. he started the right time where it's like, okay, okay. Now I, now I see where we're going. You know, I got uh, to look at uh, the free comic book day flip book. So, oh. uh, and it was because, you know, I had asked Nick, to kind of keep me posted on on, on Secret Empire because we're going to probably follow that uh, after the issue one comes out as well. So they they Marvel sent me that, and of course I got Spectacular Spider Man uh, free comic book day as well. That chip chip delivered great great first issue. Oh. That's all I want to say about it as far as uh, you know any any sort of review because let people be surprised. But yeah, it's going to be great. I think he's got his voice down, and it's a very oh, funny book, God. and it's great. Chips and wine do this forever. So the, the, the timing's all so good. There's so – I'm really happy at everything that's in the entire Spider line. Cool. Like everything – I um, was just talking with uh, Mike Costa with what they're doing over in Venom. Um, 
it's, it, and Peter David is going to and uh, Bagley with with Ben Riley and Kane in in their book. It, cool. There's so much right down the center of the plate. Hopeless, hopeless with Spider Woman, obviously. Oh, that the, the hopeless is Spider Woman just wrapped up. Aww. Yeah, I know. It was so good. All right, I've been trading it, so I didn't realize. And, well, that's uh, that's fine. Hopeless is a talented man, and uh, I'm sure they'll find something else for him to do. Yeah, and it, it went out in a – it went out – like the way they, they wrote the book out is it's just such a nice ending to the series. Um, it's, it's sad. It's like if some stuff stops, other stuff comes into motion because that's the way it is in the, the world of the, the Spider-Verse. <laughs> There's, you know, like we're, well, I like that we've for many years now we've kept this very wide net of if there's something you like, um, we we got it. We have all these different feels. It, like, yeah, I'll look over here. We got Spider Man 2099, and yep. over here we got Silk, and over here we got Spider Gwen, and over here we got Miles. There's all these different Spider books with the all these different feels. So if I'm not doing it for you. There's someone else over there who is. Including and, Jerry Conway and Renew Your Vows. Uh, Renew Your Vows with Conway and Stegman. Yeah. Oh, it's a good book. Yeah, man. hey, man. No, I, I, I like my Dan Slott Spider- Spider-Man, but it's nice to see Jerry Conway Spider-Man again. You know? Dude, <laughs> I, it's like I get to read a Spider-Man book. <laughs> it's like, no, it, it's it's weird. It's like sometimes like it, you you leave a title and you suddenly realize, oh, I get to read it now. <laughs> it'll surprise me and I won't know what's coming up you, are you able to do that because I know people too that like Marv Wolfman I just talked to him in Utah and he was at a panel and he said no when I you know especially books that he created he's like I can't I can't read other people writing it and that way I can honestly say I'm really not reading it um now he didn't now I asked him about things like Spider-Man he said well I didn't create Spider-Man so he's able to go back but you know some people I always say it's like the hardware store you know no, I, I I totally get that. I totally get that. When I left Batman Adventures, uh, I could not read the thing that took its place. Sure. I, I was like, I was so mad that it was over. Um, but, and I, like, I, one of the things that happens to me when I go to cons, and I love this, is that there's X number of Spider-Man writers in the world, you know, mm-hmm. and... You when you meet each other, it's kind of like you're you're in a fraternity. Sure. Um, where it's a, a, more like a you know not like creepy hazing fraternity. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Spider-Man Skull and Crossbones. Uh, yeah, Skull and more, Bones, uh, thing. <laughs> more more about like you know old war veterans meeting up. Like oh, I remember my days in the Spider books. <laughs> and you, you kind of, there's this thing where you all have in common and you get to swap stories and you get to hear things from guys. Um, and something I've heard like universally from everybody I've talked to, whether it's Conway or Roger Stern or um, Michelini, mm-hmm. Falco, anybody, they all, everyone has the same advice, like a different way of phrasing it. But it's all don't leave. You know, it's it's very much a version of um, what Kirk says to Picard in Generations. Like, don't let him take you out of that chair. Like, while you're in that chair, you can make a difference. Everyone has that version, whether it's enjoy your time while you got it, or or some people just being very blunt, don't leave, they don't ask you back. 
<laughs> you know? so yeah, like, sure. You know, it's very yeah. It's like your term in office. You know, Mister President. Right. Um. Yeah. So that that was like an advice every everybody's given me. And one of the nice things is, so many of the guys, they they keep reading Spider Man, um, and they'll talk to you and ask you questions about the stuff going on in the run, and and it's great. You know, sometimes they they know what you're doing because they they've worked it. They know they've sat in that chair. Sure. Like when I was talking with Roger Stern. Uh, one of the first things I was saying was like, I'm so sorry I've killed the hobgoblin. <laughs> you know, like, I'm so sorry I chopped off his head. And we were, you know, alone. No one was listening. And he looks, he's like, you didn't kill him. <laughs> you know, he's like, he was wearing a mask. You chopped off the head of a guy wearing a mask. And I'm like, smiling, like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he totally knew how we were bringing him back. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, because... Awesome. He knows how the magic trick works. Sure. He, knows, he knows the rabbit isn't in the hat. You know. The best so, example yeah. of that that I heard was uh, talking to Brubaker right after he killed Cap. And he's mm. like, you know, Joe Simon, I didn't even have to see him. And, like, you know, immediately the, all the news cameras, oh, creator of Captain America, what do you think? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a sad day. And it's like, yeah, bullshit. And, I mean, you know, he's like, he knows the game. He knows, it's like, sure, I'll play along. Even, I mean, at 90, he was still like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you, you say that, but then I get a call from Stan Lee's people after 700. What happened? Oh, tell me. No, and they're like, uh, Stan wants to know, Peter Parker's coming back, right? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, he's coming back. He's coming he back like a year and a half. Yeah. Was it uh, was it five hundred? Where it was uh, the Doc Ock? Uh, Seven hundred. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 not Superior Spider Man. I'm going further back. Was it six hundred uh, or whatever? Where you have the big and it was like a big giant issue. Yeah, yeah. six hundred. Where the Doc Ock and Spidey. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my favorite little moment, of course. And I was wondering because again, I I confess, did not mm. buy the nine ninety nine. Uh, 25, issue 25, but did you have a moment like you did in 600 where the Fantastic Four shows up completely ready to go and it's, oh, okay, he's got it. Never mind. Because <laughs> that was a beautiful moment. Um, there. Oh, oh, but what, what I was getting at was um, go on, yes, excuse me. One, one Spider-Man writer. It was like Michelini. Okay. He was like, yeah, when I stopped, when I stopped, I couldn't read Spider-Man anymore. Like, I, I and it was kind of like, I, I don't know what's going on in your book. Yeah, I, I, it's not to be mean. I just once I left, I had to put distance. You know, so it's like it was, a girlfriend. I've heard other people say that. Man, it's like, yeah, it's but, like, you know, it, hey, who's my girl saying now? Yeah, he's the only he's the only one I've really met like that. Where like, and, and part of me, I don't know how I'm gonna feel because this has been such a uh, big part of my life. Um, I mean, I'm uh, I'm coming up on ten years on the book. Wow, like, that's that's I'm coming up on that. That's I'm insane. But you're yeah, I, you know, you forget how long it's been since uh, one more day, and it's it's brand new day. Well, no, and, I, I leading up to brand new day. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the so much of the, this is such a, a part of my life now. Like it, it's uh, you know, it's it's like a fifth of my life. Wow, is working on Spider Man, and I was talking to Jerry. It was like the first time I was ever talking to Jerry and he was just like, you know, giving me kudos and going, I, I got to hand it to you. Cause we were having that, that three times a month schedule and then going into two times a month with just me. And he's like, um, 
Uh, and he was looking at how long I'd been. He's like, you are running a marathon, aren't you? And I'm like, Jerry, I'm doing this two or three times a month. I'm running a marathon of sprints. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's sure. I the 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 schedule. It's not just I've been doing it a long time. I've been doing it a long time at uh, like an increased rate, like at this crazy schedule. So um, even though the book's been around since 1962, um, I have I'm close to have having written I, I'm over one out of every five of amazing because yeah. we're just so many. Um, so fast. It's, you know, I, I say it a lot about how I treat the characters, but in a way it's the way life has treated me is everything's a monkey's paw. You know, everything's, you get what you want, but not the way you want it. I hear you. Like, uh, you know, if I, if, if I got to design my own fate, I would, you know, like if I got to, you know, you know, make the wish, it would be, oh, I would love to write Spider-Man once a month. Exactly, sure. But no, it's not. It's it's Lucy at the Chocolate Factory. And it's yeah. that it's that way all the time. And it's the kind of thing where you can't grumble or grouse about it because you're writing Spider-Man for a living, you punk. And that's enough, Dan, because honestly, a lot of your contemporaries, it is the grind of 18 or, you know, plus issues that make them say, "All right, I, I really do love what I've done, but I can't, I can't keep doing this." So, what, what do you do? I mean, it is Spider-Man. Is there something else? Like uh, you, uh, you know, is is Silver so, Surfer your your palate cleanser, or how do you how do you do it when others can't? You know, it's it comes down to it's like I see so many people like, you know, bad mouth and cape books. Oh, you know, indies. Indies are what it's all about, to you know those people over there, you know. Oh, doing the, yeah, yeah. Doing the cape books. Why? Why would you do that? And it's like, dude, I grew up with, like, Spider-Man footy pajamas. I grew up with, like, you know, he was my Mego action figure. He's my favorite character in all of fiction. And I get the privilege to to be the guy, who, you know, telling these stories. Um, it is such an honor to me and it, it, I am just so tickled that I get to do this. Um, it is, it is the dream job. Um, I, while I write this stuff, there was, um, there was a time when I was a kid and I had this John Romita senior, uh, Spider-Man piggy bank. They had, they're, they're molded out of this one piece of plastic and it was, this bust of Spider-Man. And I used to put like the leftover money from lunch money in this thing <laughs> and it would fill up. And then one day it was, it filled to the top and I was a kid. I didn't understand what that, you know, how much money was in there. You know, I just knew that I'd hit this milestone. I'd filled the bank. <laughs> so in my, in my mind, it was a magic amount of money that could buy me whatever I wanted. And uh, I said to my dad, like, I would want I want to use this now. And there is this thing I wanted at a hobby shop, which was the uh, uh, the Corgi Batman diecast metal uh, Batcopter. Nice. I remember that. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> based off like, yeah, based off the Adam West, you know, the movie. Yeah. yeah the uh, Batcopter. Absolutely. man. And I, I wanted this. 
And I and I think it was that kind of thing where my dad took me to the hobby shop and I was going to open this bank and he knew damn well if there wasn't enough pennies and nickels in this that he was going to cover the rest because dad, you yeah, know, good man, absolutely, yeah. So I go there and then I'm lugging this thing in and it weighs a ton to the hobby store, huge to the hobby store. Hilarious. I put this thing down and it's the first time I realize there's it, this is the most cheapo Marvel piece of plastic crap. There is no plug at the bottom. Ah, we're gonna have to destroy the bank. Ah, to get the money out, and it really is like that—that that, uh, gift that people have of the little kid who can't bring himself to to break the Spider-Man pinata. I was like close to tears because I was gonna have to destroy this bank, and my dad was like, "There is money in the bank. It is filled up. You're not just gonna keep this forever. This giant lead weight, copper weight. You know, we're gonna open this up." So we opened it up. I was destroyed. All the money came out. They counted all the pennies and nickels. I'm sure Dad made up the difference. I got that copter. I love the copter. Um, but I was telling Brebor one day, like, the sad story of the uh, Spider-Man thing. And then one day, uh, he gives me this package, and I open it up. <laughs> he found one on eBay, and <laughs> it's the exact same plastic bank when I was awesome. a kid. And that... St- sits on the highest shelf and it stares down at me every day when I'm writing Spider-Man. And whenever I, I kind of go, oh, I'm tired or the bones feel weary, I look up and I go, I get to do this. You know, I'm, I think about that eight-year-old kid and how, you know, he would freak out if I ever left the book. There there was a point when we were doing um, Brand New Day. I'm, I'm, I'm being very careful about how I tell the story. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say what part of the run it was, but there is a point where um, we were we were going to have a big meeting to to you know one of our Spidey summits, and one writer had kind of you know they they went I I think I'm done, and they decided they weren't coming to the summit, and another writer had kind of put a limit on how much they were going to do. And they kind of realized they weren't going to do the summit. So I'd kind of been told at one point, we're all getting ready to do this thing, and 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 it's it's hard, man. You're you're con- and that was when we were coming out three times a month. Yep. So it was a grind, and it was spitting people out. And at one point, we're we're getting ready to head into our summit, and two guy, two of the four guys aren't going to be there. You know, and they're telling me this news. And it's like, you're the team, man. You're the team. Imagine if it was like a relay race. And suddenly two guys weren't there at the race. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, and it's a lot of work. And at one point, um, you know, the the third guy hadn't called in yet because he was very busy. Um, and there was this fear. Like, Mar- like I was being embraced that maybe uh, there was going to be this Spider-Man summit. I was going to be the one guy walked in, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and it wasn't because the third guy was like, oh, no, of course I'm coming. But <laughs> but uh, there was this one point in time where we, we hadn't heard back yet and 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 dropping like flies. And I had lost it. You know, I had I had just like freaked out. And people were like, reach out to me, like, Dan, just so you know. And I'm like, what? What? Is the third guy not coming? Third guy? You know? And then I was like, F him. 
F everybody. Put it all on my back. Put it on my back. I'll do it all. Because <laughs> it's Spider-Man. Well, monkey pod happened. <laughs> Here you are. Oh, well, I was very convinced um, when, when – because we all knew – that it was, we were going to do the three times a month as long as we could. Okay. And we we went through two um, two teams of four. And uh, I forgot. I that. Was Go the, on. Yeah, I was the one guy who crossed over from team one to team two, and that was because you know, like it it, it eats people up. Yeah. And they were kind of amazed. Like you're you're ready to go into team two. I'm like I'm ready to go. Bring it on. <laughs> And, but we always knew the end game was we're going to do this as long as we can, and then we go down to one guy with two. That w- that was always the game plan. And as it became obvious when the life cycle was coming around that the next team of four was kind of done, um, it, w- it kind of you could feel it in the air. We were going to go down to two with with one guy, and I. Um, had took a meeting with Wacker and Brevoort, but mainly with Wacker. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brevoort was there kind of just like hovering over the lunch um, where I was, I was putting forth, I was going, okay, here's, here's my proposal to you. And I pitched avenging Spider-Man, the, the a Marvel team. up. I, I, I pitched what was going to be the satellite book. Okay. Um, because I'm like, I, I know we're coming down to this, and I would like to transition over to this book when we do this. And Wacker went, no. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it, I'm off. <laughs> because in my mind, they were either going to go for someone all new um, or one of the fresher horses from the other four. You know, because I'd been on the book for so long. Then I just figured, well, that's it. My time on Spider-Man's over. Done. And Wacker went, because I want you on the lead book. And I was like, but home? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, and that, that was big time. Sure. That was the big time run. Oh, literally, that was big time. That was, that was yeah, that was the big time run. I, 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 I thought you were Donald I, Trump for a second. That's big time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, no, no. He says big league. That's true. Big. Is it big league or big league? It's big league, and everyone thinks he's saying big league. That's what I thought, what? too. Who cares? Fuck him. Yeah, I know. Fuck him, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> But that has been driving me nuts for the last couple of weeks. It's like big league or big league, but go on. No, it's, it's big league, but uh, you know it's it's fun. I mean, so many people at cons are like, I follow you just for your Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah, most of it, you know, it used to be just Spider Man, Spider Man, Spider Man, and Doctor Who. You know, and now it's Spider Man and oh that Trump. Uh, I'm like an old man on the stoop. Oh, I know. It's all right. I, I follow you. I know. I'm aware. Yeah. That's all oh, right. God. No, hey but, man, hey, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're willing to speak your mind still, man. I, I, it's Dan. The torchbearers are out, and and sometimes I'm on their side, but not always. Uh, I got to be honest, and I mean, I always consider myself a, a left leaning, old fashioned liberal, and sometimes I see what the left does sometimes, and I'm like, eh, I don't know if I completely agree, and I don't think that person's career should end, you know. And I'm not talking about the X Men shit lately. Either. Oh no, I. I <laughs> oh, that's oh. this is all on me, by the way. Go oh ahead. no, 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 I um. Uh, you know, the I, I I take solace in how much of how many people that are like hardcore, you know, to the right 
that can't stand me and how many people that are hardcore to the left that can't stand me. Yeah. So it's, yeah, there, there seems to be like a, no one can, can rip on the left, like the farthest left. Well, no, and, no, and frankly, no it happens can, on the right as well. Exactly. Yeah. No, like the people who are the most extreme are, no one can rip into their own allies as, Better. as, as just, Oh Agreed. God, you're like, Please lock arms. Exactly. It's like I thought we were on the same side here. I mean, you know, again, calm down. But we, we got whatever. we got stuff we got to do. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's part of me gets madder. Not at the uh, you know the guys in the red hats. Part of me gets madder at the people who voted for Jill Stein. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If if you were in a swing state and you voted Indy, what were you thinking? Well, exactly. Hopefully, Why? Hopefully, lesson learned. But, you know, I mean, again, and I understand it's, every presidency is different. John, no. It, it's never the lesson learned. It's never the lesson well, learned. because there's always a new generation, I guess. Yes. Because <laughs> all these people who are like, I'm voting for Nader. And you're like, shut up. And then... And then it's over, and they go, I shouldn't have voted for Nader. And you're like, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have. And then he he comes up to the next one, and it's like, they're both equally bad. There's no lesser of two evils. Oh, my God, every day something happens where you feel like, it's going to take years to fix this. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you, though, Dan. Well, go ahead. Finish your thought. I don't want to cut you. Oh, no, but it's like, you know, like the, the oil line through through Native American lands. Yes. You I know, know. drilling know. in national parks. I know. I know. It, it's, there's certain things where you're like, oh, God, Betsy DeVos. Yeah, the education. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, how are we gonna how are we gonna fix that? Nah. There's every day. There's a new Planned Parenthood yeah. going on every day. They they weren't spending tax dollars on abortions, you idiots. Yeah. It was for cancer screenings yes, and, and and STDs yes. and oh my god, what are you doing? Yeah. I hear you, man. I guess and and maybe this is false hope on my part, but I am reminded of the original Prisoner TV series episode Free For All, and where number six finally gets to, he he runs in this ridiculous election. I, I know the one you're talking about. And, I love and he finally becomes number two and thinks I can change everything. And he's in the chair, in the round chair, and yep. he's pushing, flipping buttons, and you're all yep. free. I am deactivating everything, and nobody leaves and nobody pays attention because the government keeps running as it always will. And I think there was a nice moment of exposure this week with the aircraft carrier nonsense. Oh, my God. We're sending an armada. We're doing that. Yeah, hi, it's the Navy. Uh, we don't know what he's talking about. Back oh, to oh, you. They just, they just had the thing in at, over at the Hill now, and I know it's a partisan kind of thing. Well, we just did. But, but <laughs> That's all they, right. they just had the, where they had the, the people from insiders going – yeah, yeah. When he did that thing about the wiretaps, we had to scour and find anything we could to try to back up his crazy bullshit. Well, they're going to get what they're, they're, they're going to get. What they're, go ahead. I'm sorry. I talked. Oh, about. but but they're now coming out and admitting it. Yeah, I know. I know. It, well, they got their Supreme Court justice. I oh, once oh, they once they get whatever they're satisfied with, uh, whatever budget or whatever. You'll see. Oh, but, you'll see the right taking a, a collective two steps back. 
and be they, like, well, that's the president. Sorry. They, they, they didn't just get the Supreme Court. They were getting the Supreme Court justice. Of course they were. Well, yeah. But it, breaking the filibuster rule. Oh, yeah. my God. It's like, God, if you can hear me, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, just keep her alive. Yeah, no kidding. Keep her alive. We'll see what happens. I know. Uh, oh, I know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know that that new uh, that new that new show, The Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah, that that's going to happen. Yikes! <laughs> oh no, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be in freaking Hunger Games. <laughs> you know, you know we're gonna you know. Ah, uh, anyway, okay. Well, but like I good. said, free for all, Dan. That's what I'm kind of counting on. That's why I am so glad he said on a tangent, Doctor Who is back. Yay! You know, we hey, could, look. We could, we could pivot to Doctor Who if you want. No, but it's like, yeah, it's so nice to have escapism. It's well, so nice you, to go. You know, and, and go sometimes in, in horrible times, that's when the best fiction is written as escapism. So, Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what else can you say? Yeah. But um, I like the first episode. We can talk Doctor Who now. We can save okay, Silver Surfer yeah. the end. First episode. Doctor Who, New Companion. Um, I liked it. I, I was pleased. I saw Moffat say that, you know, it was going to be kind of a good jump on episode, which I think they did a good job. Now, remind me, mm-hmm. Hoovy uh, and Trivia Man, um, that was a Patrick, the, the two pictures on the doctor's desk were River. And yes. Also, it was definitely a Patrick Troughton. Um, no. It wasn't a Patrick Troughton companion? No. no. Who was that? William Hartnell. It, it was uh, First Doctor. It's his granddaughter, Susan. Oh, that was Susan? That's Susan. That sure as hell didn't look like... Well, maybe that was Mont Susan. I'm used to 1963 and two Susan. Susan and the Five Doctors. The, so. Yeah, no, that's Susan. Okay, okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's his granddaughter. I thought that might have been the one companion that died on him. Uh, uh, oh, no, no, no. There, there, there have been some deaths, but the, the big death was Adric. Well, of course, yes, during... Uh, during uh, Peter Davison. Peter Davison. Earthshock. Uh, yes, I remember yes, it well. With, uh, with the silent credits. Yes. Rolling over and the, the, and his, broken, his broken mathematics badge that the doctor used to uh, kill the one Cyberman. Yep, used the gold edge. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> we, all, we, both have to, we both have to prove our who, our who cred by yes. doing that stuff. But that's cool. Okay, I didn't realize that was Susan, and that makes that's, a lot of sense. Okay, That's Susan, and... When you think about it, there there's a lot of stuff in there that is leaning into the Hartnell of it all, the first doctor of no it question. all. No question. Where uh, this season, and it's you know not even a spoiler anymore because they showed them in the uh, coming up this season, you know, after the first episode. Oh, you know, I my damn DVR literally stopped at the last minute, and I didn't even get what he said. When he was enticing her finally to come into the TARDIS and join TARDIS. him and everything. Oh, it's it's quite lovely. Uh, he <laughs> he kind of he kind of Doc Browns and says, "Oh, what the hell?" Okay, cool. Come in. But what's uh, teasing? Tell me what's teasing that revealed. Uh, the they're, they're not they're not just doing Cybermen this season. They're doing Mondas. They're, they're doing uh, well. They're doing Tenth Planet. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're doing like original uh, Cybermen. Where it looked like they're wearing like ski masks. Yeah. Oh, they're showing them like that too. Yeah. Wow. You're gonna first generation Cybermen. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, which is you know William Hartnell. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. So they're. I thought that was Troughton. 
No, no, no. Trouton's Tomb of the Cybermen, where they they get the visual. Yes. But original Mondasian uh, uh, Cybermen from Tenth Planet, that's... You know they're 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 doing classic. As you can't get more classic Cybermen than this, and that's First Doctor. And in the episode, uh, Bill, his new companion, uh, the girl Bill has a crush on, Heather. When you look at it, the couple, Bill and Heather, Bill Hartnell and his wife Heather. Oh, it's that's another, cute! I didn't even recognize that. that it's fantastic. another. It's an inside joke. That's There's, right. So what was really wonderful about Pilot was. It was the best jump on episode since the eleventh, the eleventh hour, the Matt, the first Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. This was so. This is like the best um, jump on point for like seven years. Uh, it really held your hand and walked you through because seeing the whole story through Bill's eyes. Um, yeah, it, 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 it all this stuff in there, and yet there was Easter eggs in there for all the faithful. But nothing that, if a new timer heard it, would de- derail them. I hear you. Yeah. Well, what else did I miss? What other what other Easter eggs were there? Um, the I know you saw next to the two photos there was the uh, the cup of sonic screwdrivers. Yes. yes of true. all the diff- all the different era doctors. Yep. Yep. And yep. The, what was lovely was the one that he gives to Nardle to use is it's the Tom Baker screwdriver. So you're like, yay! Oh, that's funny. I didn't even, you know, that's I knew it was a sonic screwdriver. It, I didn't. It didn't uh, occur to me that it would be. Spe- oh yeah, they're all they're all specific ones where you look at them. The the um, the TARDIS has an out of order sign on it, okay. and it's they had an almost identical sign, but without a border, but all, pretty much identical. It's pretty much a, a tip of the hat. Uh, to Hartnell. Yeah, I was going to say for Unearthly Child or uh, yeah, the first Hartnell had the out of order sign. There are all these little touches well, that were, you know, yeah. the, throughout the whole run. There were little touches. Some of them from you know Capaldi's run where he's playing uh, the Beethoven's Fifth um, mm, okay. on the guitar, and there's the that opening scene and the two parter before the flood. Um, and you know, there was, uh, the bust of Shakespeare. There are all these little touches th- throughout the whole thing. And you just go, oh, that's lovely. That's cool. I didn't, I, I'm going to have to, you know, obviously go online and uh, get the list or whatever. Uh, yeah. There, there's, there's so many Easter eggs, oh, I'm but, sure. that's but, cool. the, but that's how you do it. You do it as Easter eggs. You don't do it as something that'll make you stumble when you're, right. Yeah. Was and am I wrong? Was the reason why he was staying at the university so long was that a promise to River or something? After you know they had their one night that lasted thirty years or whatever. The there is the vault. There is something under the university that he has clearly put there that he and Nardal are are keeping guard over, keeping watch over, um, and it has Gallifreyan symbols on it. So even though it's a vault, there's no real reason why when you open that vault, it couldn't uh, have bigger on the inside sure. Gallifreyan tech. It could be a mansion. It could be a cube. It could be anything. There could be anything on the other side of those doors. Interesting. Okay. And, and they they did multiple teases. So like, what's in the vault? Right. Well, and when they went into that skirmish, I assumed that they were going into the Time Lord Dalek War. 
Me too. I thought they were going to close that loop from Day of the, uh, yeah. Day of the Doctor. Yes, yes, with the disappearance of Gallifrey. Yes, yes. Yeah, where you see Capaldi's eyebrows for right. a second. I thought they, I thought <laughs> they were right. going to. I thought they were going to close that loop. But then someone pointed out to me, like if they did, boy, that would have been inside baseball, and that wasn't what that episode was about. It was about taking you by the hand and reintroducing you to this new world. It yeah, really but- was a quote unquote pilot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, well, and that's what Moffat was describing and everything. And you would assume with that with that title, but then I like the yeah. way they solved it story wise as well. That that was the reason why it was called Pilot. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, because there, there's the way our fan brains work, where we're, we're trying to find puzzle pieces and do things. And how does it all connect? And sure. it'll be cool. Like there's a a JMS story where. Uh, Spider-Man has an adventure and Loki is there. And at the end of it, Loki owes him a favor. Yep. Almost every freaking story since then, every fan thinks the solution is going to be Loki's favor. And you're like, Oh, I thought, I thought he gave, I thought Loki gave him the favor, but go on. No, he hasn't. He's never paid it off. Oh, wow. I thought that the moment that, um, and I remember Ramita drawing it where Peter got to see uncle Ben. No, there's there's a favor, and that Loki owes Spider-Man, and it's something that JMS wrote, and he never paid off. Interesting. And, and so many fans think, like every story you're doing, oh maybe Loki will repay the favor, <laughs> and and part of you goes like, I don't give a rat's ass about Loki's favor. I'm never dealing with it. That's, That's another, hilarious. Another writer did that. I I feel no obligation to close that loop. That is um, very funny. I but yeah, but conversely, if like uh, you know another writer did it, I wouldn't blink. I'd almost be like, "Thank you, thank you for tying up that loose thread," <laughs> because it it literally is a Deus ex machina, and who wants to use a Deus ex machina to solve their story? Yeah, that's cheap. I hear what you're saying. Absolutely, yeah, no, no, and that's a good writer lesson. So I'm glad you throw that out there. No, it's such a mixed blessing to have that floating, but where there's other things too, where it's like. Um, one of the Spider-Man writers built up a big mystery about this armored Spider-Man villain called Facade. Okay. And it, to make it even worse, his name isn't Facade. It's the acronym Facade. So it's fully automated carapace. It's like, it's the most, ugh. <laughs> I can't even use up part of my brain to <laughs> To remember what facade spelled, and but it was it, they had done and had wonderful success uh, with kind of who is the hobgoblin, okay, mm-hmm. as a mystery, and people were deeply invested in that. Oh yeah, and this writer was trying to duplicate that magic with who is facade, and he brought in like a whole cast of characters that it could be, and one or two of them was like Lance Bannon or Jonah. Okay. And then, like, five guys you couldn't give a rat's ass about. Sure, sure. You know, like, it's clearly one of them. And when and they would only be brought on if there was a facade story. And then, like, no one else would deal with them any other time. So you had no investment in any of these guys. And they never solved the riddle of who is facade. And every now and then, I'll be at a con or someone will be reaching out to me on Twitter or something like what is the mystery of facade? <laughs> you know, what's the answer? I'm like, I, when are you going to tell that story? And I'm like, never. Attaboy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
I don't care. I don't care about facade. I, I there was like this one story I did where Spidey's having this super busy day, and and he has to keep doing all this stuff, or New York's going to explode. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and. Uh, He's just doing one thing after the other, one thing after the other, and, it, and nothing's helping, and New York is still going to explode. And one of the things he does is he you see him capture facade. He's webbed them up. <laughs> and it's the first time you've seen facade. Well, that's like, why people oh. are asking you. Go on. Well, no, 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 because this oh. was me dealing with this, like, you know, because everyone kept saying, bring back facade. Bring oh, back. okay. <laughs> so I brought him in, like, in one panel where he's webbed up. And and Spidey's talking to like the guy who's helping him. Like, did that do it? Is New York safe now? Then, meanwhile, in the background facade is like Spider Man, my greatest enemy. You have captured me. Now, I guess I must reveal the secret of facade. And Spider Man's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll talk to you later. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> and that was me just just messing with those like eight guys. Yeah, the eight people that want facade. That's yeah. awesome. People every now and then people go. Okay, facade, and they spell out, what does that stand for? It stands for, I don't give a crap who facade is. That I respect is. that. Absolutely. I, so I, I didn't see class. Okay. How was it? I enjoyed it. Uh, to, to be completely honest and fair, I cheated. I'm very much against torrenting and illegal downloading, but I am a Doctor Who junkie. And when class was coming out, I cheated and i watched the first two episodes oh are we are we behind uh great britain's uh class go ahead they have seen all of class in the uk oh so it was before this uh season yeah okay Uh, okay i had seen the first two and then by the time i finished watching the second one i went i am a big hypocrite i am not illegally downloading anymore i will wait till this gets to the states I will stick to my uh, – I fall. I fell off the wagon, but I am getting back on, and I am not illegally downloading any more of this. I am bad, 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 you know, and I'll, I will just stop. And I'm, I'm friends with the producer, Derek Ritchie, who, who works on that. Okay. And, and he was like, I can throw you the episodes, <laughs> and I, I want you to see them. <laughs> I'm like – no, no, I'll wait and watch them in America. So I'd already seen the first episode. Okay. Um, but I, I, on Monday I went out to the theater because uh, I love that they do this. I wish yeah, they I do too. Go ahead. Do more where the Fathom event shows them on the big screen. Yep. So I'd already seen, um, I'd already seen the pilot on TV, um, and now I was like going back to see it on the big screen with uh, a Marvel friend who's really into Doctor Who. We were watching. We were all happy. Yeah. <laughs> and they showed class there on the big screen. We watched it. We were like, yeah. Oh, they so put it, them together. So it was they put a, Yes, you had a two-hour thing, and that was lovely. Um, did and they do it, any special intros or anything? They, they did a special in-between, and I was kind of mad at them because the person I was seeing it uh, with, she hadn't seen the pilot. And it was they did a making-of special, and they ran it before the thing they were doing. Oh, so it revealed a lot of shit. It, it it spoiled some things. Right, right. Why? What? Fathom? Why would you do that? Yeah, you do it the way they do it in in England and stuff, and show it after the episode. After, yeah, yeah. absolutely. The, uh, that drives me. Crazy. That's really crazy that they would do it that way too, because obviously they're getting the footage from the BBC. Well, they're just assuming that everyone's already seen it. True. It's three days after the. the it's three days the after premiere. the. Pre- 
And it's someone it's someone who's dedicated enough to spend the money to go and see it in the theater. They figure that person is someone dedicated enough to have probably already seen it. Yeah, that's true. I guess. And, I you know I wouldn't presume though, and I would say no. Do it do it that way just in case. I took someone to Fathom Events who someone who was a casual like they they knew who the uh, the Star Trek Next Gen characters were from the movies, but they mm-hmm. hadn't really seen the series. And Fathom was showing uh, Best of Both Worlds as a movie. Oh wow! And I was like, oh man, this is one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Next, oh my god, yeah. Next Gen. So I took them. They hadn't seen it. But the people at Fathom just must have figured that everybody has seen this. Yeah. It's been, so they did a making of and a retrospective special before the thing. Interesting. They gave away so much of of what happened in it. And I, I, w- I was going crazy because the person I was with had never seen it. And I'm like, close your ears, close your eyes, don't listen to this. Oh, my God. Oh, God. And the special kept going. And then they went to – and they – Two-parter. They did the worst thing in the world they could have done to that two-parter. Did they – go on. He, 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 I think you know I, – I suspect what it might be. Go Mr. for it. Mr. Worf, fire. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And did they not show that? They didn't cut away. They didn't They didn't cut to the blank screen and the to be continued. Oh. And dude, they remember s- that as a, when we were watching that 30 years ago or 25 years ago? Yes. And we're just like – what? No. What? Like the That's... best the best Star Trek Next Generation had ever been up to that point cuz that first those first two seasons, man, they hit their head on the ceiling a lot. No, it's, no, but, but you know, the, and it, the best thing about that freaking two-parter is it leaves you hanging. Yes, and you just said Riker's got the balls to do it and he goes black and all you see is to be continued and we were screwed for, you know, whatever, yeah. 4 months or whatever. It's like, yeah. I'll see you at the end of September. Yeah. And they seamlessly cut it, so, which it changes the beat completely because now it's not I'm firing on Picard and I don't care. Like, yep. I'm doing I'm doing what I have to. Yep. You know? It's I'm and then when you come back and he does the bit, it's completely ineffectual. Right. So it changes the beat of fire. Phew, it didn't work. Damn. And you're like, <laughs> you just ruined one of the best sci-fi beats of all time. Because you made it all one nice continuous movie, you, you fucks. I hear you, man. Oh. Yeah, one of the things they showed in the special it was this great story of Patrick Stewart, where he's driving with his top down in the um, in California, and this minivan pulls up next to him, and there's a family inside at a light, and the window rolls down, and the wife is like leaning through, going, like Patrick Stewart, yeah, like. You ruined our summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Got, uh, well, you know, I gotta, uh, I gotta ask about Star Trek Discovery. Are you, uh, are you psyched? Are you nervous? Or, um, oh yeah, you know, any kind of new Trek. I'm, uh, I'm there. I'm totally there too. And and I'm- so Jesse Alexander. On the writing staff, which like made me ridiculously happy, and I'm like, I got to track him down, man. I got to get Loeb to reconnect me with Jesse. I, you know, I, he's he's yeah. a great writer. I'm I'm excited for like whenever you do. I'm going to give anything a fair shot. You know, I'm going to oh, be yeah. there with bells on. I and I was there for the the Paul McGann movie. 
Hell for, yes, for for Doctor Who, damn straight. Man. I, you know, you're like, please be good. You know, and it, I'm, you know, you're there for Phantom Menace, and you're like, please be yes. good. Yes. And you're there for Force Awakens, and you're like, please be good. <laughs> and it's always so nice when you're surprised, and you're like, oh, good, good. You know, do you, it, like, do you like the Fox movie, the Batman uh, movie? Uh, no. Of course, yeah, no, neither do I. But in, in, to be honest, and I'm sure you feel the same way, those big finish dramas really uh, redeemed McGann's Paul. Eighth Doctor, and it's like, oh no, he's absolutely worthy and is a fine Doctor. It, it didn't just redeem it; it he kept the franchise going. He sure did during yeah. during during the wilderness years. Yeah, man. Oh, like, no, you're right. God, God bless, you know, Paul McGann. That's why we get to have. Knew who. This is very that, true. You know, that he, you know, is the lifeboat. It's just wonderful uh, that we, stories, we got. We, but, those guys do, but, those guys do great stories. Big Finish is fantastic. But yeah. the, the, the fact that um, the, that movie on its own, that's not a good movie. I only love, and it's so violent, but I do love Sylvester McCoy's uh, opening scenes and, and oh, his no. regeneration. That's the best no. thing about that. No, oh, I, I, because honestly, he, just, he gets mowed down by bullets. I understand, but that no. really was a shock, and to me, was it all was better a shock off. Because it was terrible. Oh, you see, I and I, I'll, I respect that opinion, and I, for me, it was like, wow, that's the last thing I expected. And sadly, you know, that's it's part like, of that '90s zeitgeist of more violence means better stories. It, it was the last thing you expected because it was the last thing they should have done. I, it, that's fair. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't, don't do that, you know. Um, you know, that's right up there with carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. <laughs> I don't know that. Is that from a carrot top movie? Oh no, it's uh, with with Colin Baker. Um, the way he um, he, re- he regenerates yeah. is the ship bounces around and he slams his head into the console. Like it's the most. Oh, I didn't because I, you know, I don't think I ever saw that first. I know it was after the writer strike, and they, yeah, know, they didn't even let Colin Baker play the role. They had like some, you know, a double with a wig, yeah. and then and then when they do the regeneration, they blur the face, and then they put the wig on Sylvester McCoy, <laughs> and then they blur it some more, and then they take the wig off, and he gets up, and he's Sylvester McCoy. But it's um, because of that. The last thing you ever see of Colin Baker before that strike and whatnot, the last thing you ever see is um, the end of Trial of the Time Lord. Right. He now is with Mel, and they're in the uh, TARDIS, and she has him working out on an exercise bike and, oh God, yeah. Dr- and drinking healthy drinks, and one of them is carrot juice. So, like, the last thing Colin Baker ever says is being angry at Mel at the end of an episode and going, <laughs> carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice. And those are his last lines Aww. ever as Doctor Who. Well, but again, big finish, thank God. The, the, uh, there's a, it gets miscredited to this guy who, who um, gave a talk and used the title. But there is a fan, a sci-fi fan, who coined this phrase. His name was Peter Graham. Um, and it, it's one of the great truisms of, of our industry and fandom in general, which is the golden age of science fiction is 12. 
Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not the 40s or the 50s or the 60s. It's whatever was playing when you were 12 years old. Absolutely. Is the greatest thing in the world. 100%. Absolutely. No, yeah, no question. It's, it's all the imagination and the suspension of disbelief you will bring to anything when you're 12. <laughs> And where it, that becomes your touchstone. Yep. And that's why certain people will love this thing that you know is complete and utter crap. And it's the same thing with you. Where like when I when I was the right age, like Knight Rider is the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah. And I then you go it. and you try to watch it as an adult and you're like, oh, this this is this is horrible. This is really, truly bad. Yep. But, you know, you watch it when you're 12 and you're like, oh, it's the best. Absolutely. I'm trying to, you know, there was like some old Turner Classic movie that I think when I saw it as a kid, I'm like, this is amazing. And now I'm like, oh, really? What the hell was I thinking? Certainly the beach movies fall into that category. Uh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and there's like some horrible, you know, I, I, you pity someone who, who uh, you know, thinks Space Hunter in the Forbidden Zone is <laughs> You know, we, you know, as opposed to recognizing it for cheese or like when I was, a, when I was a kid, then that saying I, that I, I was watching all the uh, Adam West Batmans and not understanding the satire. Right. No, it's and, high and drama. High drama. Just, yeah. Just taking it at face value yep. and being invested in it. And if Mr. Freeze has Batman and Robin in a giant snow cone maker. And they're going to be, you know, smothered in syrup. You know, I am seriously worried if they're going to live. The giant clam. Robin and the giant clam. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's great. Uh, this fall, for the Return of the Cape Crusaders uh, DVD, I got uh -huh. to be on the press junket. And, uh -huh. and it, they were press roundtables, so I was literally sitting next to Adam West. Uh -huh. And it was so great. And he's like, you know, when we made the show, uh, it played on several levels. Uh, you know, if you were a kid... It it wasn't a comedy. And he looked directly at me and he said, you didn't think it was a comedy, did you? And I'm like, no, it was high drama, sir. And he started laughing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. we get it. Yeah, exactly. I, there's the, I remember one of the ones where uh, Liberace was the villain. Yes, uh, tr uh, Sh Shandell. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the Harry, his brother. <laughs> yes. And the, uh, the cliffhanger. Yes. Is Batman and Robin on sheet music for player pianos that's going to get punched in, and they are going to get a million holes punched into them, yeah, and they're going to be killed. Perforated to death, exactly. And, they, and yeah. you hear a player piano as they're, they're winding as they're, closer to it. Yes. Absolutely. I, I was transfixed. I was like, how are they going to get out? Wait, but now here's the thing. You cut back to the next episode, and of course the, the bad guy leaves the room. The and they're on the conveyor belt, and they're heading towards the thing. And Adam West is like, "Boy Wonder, do what I do." <laughs> yeah, and and when they come out the other side, Batman had figured out the song that would make a perfect Batman-shaped hole around him, which <laughs> wouldn't just not have perforated him, but also cut through all their bonds, freeing them. Fortunately, yeah, and they both get up and Robin like they and since it wasn't him using his his utility belt and and the even as a kid I realized that was a Deus ex machina that he could have the anti shark repellent he could have anything <laughs> but but the fact that he used his mind and the fact that Batman had figured out the melody and harmony 
that would effectively save both him and Robin blew my mind. And of course, because he's a genius. Yes. <laughs> you know, oh my God, he'd have to have the right pitch. <laughs> I was. I totally bought it. I totally accepted it. Yeah, the three oh. the three stages of watching Batman. You're four years old, high drama. Somewhere around thirteen or fourteen, you're like, all right, whatever, too corny. And then, like late high school or college, you're like, oh, this is supposed to be satire, and this is genius. There was there was a Tom Baker Doctor Who, where he is strapped down to a table, um, and and the thing that is binding him is are these. Uh, the thing that's binding him and his companion are are um, vines. Okay. Right? And the same way you would pull someone apart with horses. Sure. Like, yeah, so he's he's stretched out. Is this Leela? Yeah, I, I want to, it's either Leela or Romana 1. Okay. It's it's one it's it's that zone. Got it. And um there there's a skylight above them and the sun <laughs> is drying out the vines so it's stretching them and going to kill them. And you're like, and he can't reach anything. How is he going to get out? And I remember like as a, you know, as a kid going like, oh my God, Doctor Who is screwed. And what happens is the, the clouds break and it's raining and it gives them a reprieve. And the doctor, and but there's the minute the cloud clears, the sun will come back up, and they're screwed again. And the <laughs> vines aren't getting any, you know, uh, they're not getting any, any, you know, not drier. So the the doctor goes, "I know how to get out of this," and he goes, "Ah!" And and the companion doesn't hurt that much. He's like, "No, no, no, do what I do." Ah! And he hits the frequency that shatters the glass, so the water from the rain comes through. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets the vines and he can get out. And you're like, nicely done. Hilarious. What, was was Baker your first doctor that you were aware of, or do you remember uh, Pertwee beforehand? And uh, I, I, when my family moved to England, mm-hmm. we started with the Leisure Hive, um, which is Romana Two. Okay. Okay. And that's when I, that's when I started watching regularly. Okay. So P- Peter Davison was the first guy I saw from start to finish. Um, of the doctors, but sure. when um, my grandma uh, lived on the east coast, and in fact the um, the the house we use for the Greenwood Inn is patterned after her house, and I've sent reference to Mike. Um, but I, that that house is where I would spend all my summers as a kid, mm-hmm. and. When I was a kid, we lived in California, and PBS on the West Coast didn't get Doctor Who. And on the East Coast, it did. Um, so when I'd be in, like, the New England-Boston area, uh, my cousin, like, watched it, and I could see it. Like, I, I kind of didn't know what it was, but it was awesome because it was a guy fighting monsters. Sure, robots and uh, everything, yeah. And everything. And so I um, – uh, they would do this thing, and you talk to Brevoort about it. You're like he lived on the East Coast, so he got to watch it all the time. The way they would show them in the states on PBS, they would put a whole adventure in one night. Yep, and they weren't meant to be seen that way. So it it really is a test of your stamina and fortitude. <laughs> you know, because it's just endless corridor running. That's true. <laughs> To pad out episodes, like if you knew you could put this in one night, you could trim so much fat out of these. Hilarious. And they're 
they're perfectly fine if you're watching it for a half an hour. But if you stack them all together and try to do a whole adventure in one night, oh, boy, does that hurt. That's hilarious. Yeah, you especially, see... especially with stuff like you try to watch it all, Inferno all in one bite, it'll break you. That's Pertwee, right? Yeah. Is Inferno the alternate universe one? Oh, God, I want to say yes. Okay. But uh, it's one of those things where you just – it's its such a marathon to get through it <laughs> if you're doing it all at once. And Brevoort would, would do this as a kid. He would just get through all of it. And Well, me too, frankly. I mean because that's how they did it in – well, initially in Chicago, it was mm-hmm. run like four or five days a week and you'd get the half hours. But ultimately, uh, yeah, they did it together as a, as a full movie. And Sunday nights it was Python, Dave mm-hmm. Allen – or mm-hmm. the two, or the two Ronnies, and, well, and, the two and then and then Doctor Who for ninety minutes. The the uh, I, when I was so when I'd be there in the summers, I could watch it like you watched it in Chicago. I could watch it in in the uh, in New England. I could see a Doctor Who adventure, but you know, you're a little kid. You never pull out the newspaper and see what's showing, or you know, look at the times. You would you would luck into it and go, oh, and then you'd have to remember to be back next week at the same time to see it again. So. <laughs> There was one glorious summer where I got to see um, all the Genesis of the Daleks, cool. Uh, cool. Ark in Space. Yes. Um, and, uh, and there was like another summer where I saw Talons of Wen Chiang. Sure. And um, something else. I want to say Robots of Death. I um, think Robots of Death was the first time I saw Doctor Who. I love Robots of Death. Um, that's the one with the helium saves the day. <laughs> Where with all the, the 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 robots are voice command, so Doctor fills up the uh, the the conveyance they're all in with helium, and everyone's voice is like this, and then the robots can't understand. The robots don't follow orders. I, that, that's great. I, all Tom ba- all the Tom Baker solutions were funny as hell. Oh, he was awesome. He was the he perf- was he was the perfect perfect entry doctor because uh, he was so weird and off the wall and. I mean, literally was so perfect for the 70s and everything. And, and I'll be honest, really grew to love Pertwee. I, 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 want, I want to say that I saw Robot, like, you know, in that zone too, uh, which was the first Baker. But I, so that I see, I'd seen all of that. And um, they did, for a special one night, they did the Three Doctors. Okay. So I was aware – I'd never seen a William Hartnell because the other guy replaced him. Right, right. In the Five Doctors, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. In the Five Doctors. Oh, no, I did see William Hartnell. But I saw him as the old man trapped in a in a pyramid. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'd seen – I understood where that – I understood what regeneration was and that multiple guys had been the doctor um, before I, I moved to England and got to watch it regularly. So I had already kind of had, like, a – uh, a primer on on Doctor Who by just having seen some on the uh, in America, but what I did and this I'm sure you're like this too. Uh, mo- most people are like you know comic fans and people were like this where um, you'd have schoolwork, you know, and you had books and things you had to read. Sure, but you read all this tons of stuff and saw that you weren't supposed to. Right. So, like I so wanted to under you know it's the way my Marvel DC brain worked. Yep. I wanted to understand the continuity, and they had the target novelizations of Absolutely. the episodes. Yes, and we didn't. Have, we didn't. None of this stuff was on VCR. We, VCRs right. just come out. Right. So you wanted to understand this continuity. I had all this schoolwork to do. I'm in a foreign country. I just landed. 
I had to make sure I understood Doctor Who. So I went down to Forbidden Planet like every other week and I would load up on the target novelization. Absolutely. Then I was burning through like three or four of them a week. Well, they were luckily, you know, short and large type and everything. I did the exact same thing the first time I knew the Three Doctors story. I read it before I saw it. Uh, and, and all those old Hartnell and, uh, and Troughton adventures and even a, a good handful of the Pertwees uh, in those Target books. Yeah, man. No, and, and in fact, my first Doctor Who convention, I brought so many paperbacks to have the cast members sign. And I had uh, Ian Martin. Wasn't it Ian Martin? Yay! Harry. Harry. You know, um, had, had him sign a book that he wrote. And I had Nicholas Courtney uh, uh, sign a book that he wrote and, or, or was in a, a unit book. I got to meet Nicholas Courtney um, while he was alive and got him to sign something at uh, Forbidden Planet on Tottenham Court Road. Uh, it was because he'd come back for the Peter Davidson as the yes. headmaster in that school. Yes. And, and he was in the cover of Doctor Who monthly or weekly at the time. So he was autographing those, and I got to meet him because of that. The um, uh, oh, where are they? But, yeah, I, I was reading through all the Target novelizations, and, and it reached a point where whatever was the season before with Leisure Hive, the novelization came out, and I, I completed it. So I, I understood all the continuity, all the way back from an unearthly child, all the way up to what I was watching. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and when it, was, when it was time to move, I had, like, those stacks of, like, you know, so that's all the first Doctor, second Doctor, third Doctor, and a lot of the fourth. In novel, novel, all the novelizations, sure. I gave them all to my high school library. Yeah, I didn't keep mine either. I'm kicking myself. Yeah. The uh, uh, Visitation, the first Davison novelization, oh, that had his pic- the picture of him on the cover, oh, came God. to, and I, I'm sure that, you know, I, wait, I forget what comic store wait, wait. it was that I bought it at. Wait, let, let, me, let me just Go on. amaze you. <laughs> Terraleptals. I don't remember that. Was, is that from the, the episode? Yeah, Terraleptals, they're the green lizard aliens from the visitation. <laughs> with the worst costume, like, really, you, you saw where the zippers were. They were the Terraleptals. <laughs> you, you know what sucks? We're talking now, and and you just throw out visitation, and I throw out Terraleptals, or you, you ask who's in the photo, and I'm like, oh, that's Susan. You, you ask me all this stuff. I've got it at the tip of my tongue, and I got to um, – I have this dinner with Stephen Moffat and Paul Cornell, and yes, um, and I brought up a Dalek story, <laughs> and then my mind went blank, and I couldn't do the title, and they were looking at me like you don't know Doctor Who. Oh, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> but but they were British, so their faces were slightly polite. So <laughs> I was like, oh no. No, why am I going up now? That's awesome. Oh, I understand. Of all times. You really, man, exactly. You know, when you're with the chess masters and you, and you don't bring your A game, exactly. I understand. Oh, but there is the most wonderful video of when um, Capaldi and Moffat and Mark Gattis, 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 yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. they were in Australia and they went to a, like, pub trivia challenge okay as a team and they got a doctor who question for like the finale and they got it wrong wow yes and between the three of them yeah really they're, 
They are like lords of who. I know. I and, love the fact that Capaldi is as much of a fan of the show. I mean, he's even beats uh, Tenet in terms of, uh, I think, his fandom. And, and I know he has the letter in Doctor Who magazine or whatever. Oh, uh, no, no. Uh, Ra- Radio Times. Oh, there he's, you go. Radio Times. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Like, but, and what, the minute they get it wrong and it's announced wrong, all three of them have the word. They all go like, no. And they all collapse onto the table in unison. <laughs> And it's and it's so human and wonderful that because yeah uh, it's uh, I'll send you a link yeah it's, man, no we I might have to post the link on uh, on our episode but go on it's just lovely but no it's yeah he was the uh, head of his uh, like Doctor Who like local he he like put out it yeah he put out a fanzine and he did the art for the covers uh, Capaldi he wow. was yeah. Um, and he, he, there's that letter to Radio Times where he's very cross at um, – he doesn't think the people – the person in charge of the National Doctor Who fan club is doing a good job and wants them removed. Uh, <laughs> and he, he knows all this stuff. And and the, the tales are that when um, – when on days when they don't need the doctor on set, when there are monsters there – he goes because he wants to see he wants to see the Daleks and he wants to see you know all the different monsters and he, you know That's he cool. he he'll hang out on the TARDIS when he's not on set. He just he so loves Doctor Who. That's and cool. that, yeah yeah. That's that, he oh, he understands like the legacy and the uh, yes you know, how much it means and and every and he's a fan of every version of the Doctor and he's uh, just. Yeah, yeah, it's just lovely. Have you had the pleasure? Because I know you're on a you're on a roll with your uh, meeting the doctors and stuff. Yes, I want to kick myself for October because um, I, it was a day I wasn't at the show, but I had pulled strings so that I could see the Doctor Who panel. But they had it at Madison Square. I was going to say at the Garden. Yeah, yeah, at the Garden. So I I, I had nice seats for that and, uh, in the reserve section because I pulled strings. And and I got to see it. But it never dawned on me that that was their day of doing, um, you know, press junkety stuff. So, of course, they were going to go back to the show. And there was a time where they hung out at the uh, upstairs in the MarvelLive.com area. Oh. Yeah. And I got a, I got a text going, Dan, Dan, they're here. Because everyone assumed I was at the show. But I saw them at Madison Square Garden and they went home. Oh. And now I'm home and I'm like. I'm, a, I'm like a good half hour, 45 minutes away. I'm like, no. Oh, that's the worst. I'm sorry. I, I, I could have been there. But, um, I, yeah, I did a show, his first American show. I made a point of do, of going to that show, uh, of being a guest of that show, and I got to meet Capaldi, and he was lovely. Cool. Um, cool. So, yeah, I've met, it's, it's, I've met like everybody. There. Well, I know, and I know we've talked on the show when you met Tennant and when you met Smith. Uh, I, yeah. Everyone's everyone's been lovely. Uh, who are the, every, who are the older doctors? Who have you met? Uh, it, it's, uh, I have. It's easy to say who I haven't met. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. No, that's cool. <laughs> I've met so many of these uh, guys. Obviously, the three that are dead. You know, so the first three uh, we understand. I, I have. I have not. I had a chance when I was in England. They were doing a signing. Um, but I, you know, it's nothing I could use any of my string pulling for. So I would have had to wait in line with a million people and i was like i'm only in england for so little time i'm not going to spend like six hours in a line uh so i i missed the chance to meet baker so i haven't met tom baker i haven't met uh no one's met eccleston 
And right, right. Um, I have I've yet to meet Paul McGann. Okay. So those are, those are the three doctors, and I have pretty much met every single companion, like modern day companion. Okay. Uh, except now, uh, Pearl Mackey. Bill. Uh, yes. Bill. Yes. So yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um, okay. So that's that's like the wish list. When I was uh, a kid, I met Pertwee, Davison, and Baker because it was the 20th anniversary. Uh, I'm still so uh, bummed that I didn't see Davison when he was in Chicago for CTE2 at the during the 50th year because I could have said, you know, man, last time I saw you was 30 years ago. Is that I was going to say that about the visitation, and I'm sure I've said this before. He he and Sandra Dickinson uh, came to a, uh, a comic store. I want to say Larry's Comics in the city. And uh, we, yeah, I stood in line and got their autographs, and they were wonderful. And I had watched Hitchhikers, and Sandra Dickinson told me that Peter was the dish of the day, and I didn't know that. You know, oh, it was great. No, they were, they could not have been sweeter. And everyone I met, I mean, Baker was great. Baker had a one man, just just him. It was just, Uh uh, it was just a one man show. And same with uh, Pertwee uh, as well. They were one man shows, and uh, both were incredibly great with the audience and stuff. And very, very funny and, and just great. And all the companions that I met were all the old uh, Davison companions. It was Nissa, Tegan. Uh, I did meet Harry, and I met the Brigadier. Um, yeah, those were those were my Who encounters as a kid. When I was a kid, I had the briefest encounter with, with Davison, very brief. But I ha- I met, uh, you know, the Nicholas Courtney yeah. and, um, and uh, the actor Mark Strickland, who played Turlow. Oh, yeah, That's, sure. Absolutely. Name right? Turlow, yes. Um, and, uh, but yeah, this time around it's, you know, the thing I got to say is everyone I've met, they've all, everyone's just been such wonderful ambassadors to this show. Yeah, definitely. I've yet, yet to meet like a, a rude who, uh, yeah, person. Yeah, rude whovian. Yeah, I can appreciate <laughs> Yeah. So they've all, they've all just been so nice and, That's cool. and so wonderful with the fans. Um, had uh, massive crushes on Tegan and Nissa when I was 14 and they lived up to expectations. They were dude, lovely and could not have been sweeter. And uh, they were very nice ladies. I had, I had, uh, you know, the, the posters on my wall in high school. Uh, I, I had a Leela and I had a Nissa on the wall for Dr. Who stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, it was, man, I, I no, I'm just thinking about like what was on my wall because I I had a Harrison Ford who's Indiana Jones, nice. two different Indiana Jones. Was, that, was it that Drew Struzan uh, poster? Um, I have the. I still have it, and uh, I really should get it framed. They they have uh, in the UK, uh, like at the tube station, they have the the big posters they put on the the side where the of the train, and then on the side of where the passengers. Yeah, they have yeah. smaller ones. Yeah. But they're still huge. Yeah. Uh, there was a store near Forbidden Planet where you could buy them that hadn't been put up. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I have the original uh, indie for that. So it's it's massive. This massive Indiana Jones poster that would have been up in the subway station. Hilarious. Um, and but the, I had that up on the wall with blue tack. Did not want to put pins in it. And I had. Uh, from Temple of Doom where like the sleeves are ripped off and he's got the sword and you know, he's just about to cross the bridge, that yes. poster. <laughs> Harrison Ford. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I just, 
uh, I'm when I when I when I was a kid, when I was like in elementary school, my my room was like a shrine to superheroes, um, and it was um, these posters of Christopher Reeve as Superman, cool. uh, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman, uh, Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk, <laughs> Nicholas Hammond as Spider Man, outstanding. Those were like the four big posters up on the wall. Um, the, yeah, it was like, yeah. And, and you'd, you'd think, oh, wow, he's he's a kid. He's obviously, uh, you know, staring at the Linda Carter thing. Going, Hur. No, <laughs> I, I was a kid. There, it, was, it was Wonder Woman, Superman, the Hulk, and uh, Spider-Man on my wall. It was like awesome. There was, there was not a, a hint of that. It was all just, yay, superheroes. No, I understand. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I uh, Art Art Baltazar uh, makes custom Migos because uh, you know he, he collects the originals, but also likes to make custom ones. Did a great one of the all black costume of Daredevil from the Netflix series. Things, you know, I mean, that was an easy one. But I told him, I said, dude, you got to do Red Brown Captain America from oh, God. from the seventies Marvel movies. He's like, that's a great idea. I can do that. Oh so, no, that's horrible. Yeah, no. It is, but it is, but then again, it is kind of cool. And I and I'm telling you, Artie does a great job. The um the books that um oh god, uh the the really good giant size Tasham. Tasham mm-hmm. did that DC at seventy five, you know, book that'll crush your your uh, your uh, lap if you put it on. It'll cut off your circulation. But there's a great picture of all these Migos, and now do do they have the original ones? But they have a bunch of customs, and like ninety percent of the customs are Artie's. So like he does, he does a really good job of making these things, and I, I'm sure he could do a good Red Brown Captain America. Oh, why? <laughs> because it'd be funny. Uh, why that clear that uh, plexiglass shield? A shield. Oh, those are it was it was the two movies or one? Two. 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 Was two yeah. And, yeah, his, and his uh, his spy handler is the guy. I just saw Silver Streak again, mm-hmm. and he's the cop that kind of brings in. Uh, Gene Wilder and 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 you know is like Caldwell. We've been following you for months or whatever. And he's the guy that uh, Simon that is uh, you know uh, Steve Rogers, Oscar Goldman to put it in six million dollar man terms. Those are those horrible, horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like I I I can watch the Nicholas Hammond Spider Man and still have great affection for him. Great, I agree. Well, again, twelve I years cannot, old, I'm with you. Yes, yes, I cannot get through those Captain America. No, they're rough. They're pretty bad. They're really bad. I can I can get through the uh, the Doctor Strange. No, not 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 Doctor Strange. Um, I like Doctor Strange actually. Oh, what, what's his name? Rex. Rex, Rex Reed. Rex the, the, Reed, who did the or no Rex Rex Mason Smith. Rex, it might be Rex Smith. Yeah, who was Daredevil in the Incredible Hulk TV yeah. movie? It is yeah. Rex Smith. I want to say. Yeah, and Take he my also breath away. Yeah, one hit wonder. I was yeah. Um, <laughs> Take my breath away. That's, exactly. He was, but he was also Street Hawk, and do not badmouth Street Hawk. All right, uh, I won't. You know, it's just kind of like, um, uh, oh god, what was it called? Mike Rell's uh, uh, mercenary character from First Comics, and it had seven episodes. His name is Savage. No, not his name is Savage. That's uh, Gil Kane. Sable. Um, yeah, Sable. Yeah, John yeah. Sable. Uh, no, but it was like Rex Smith. Uh, I can I can watch that Daredevil episode. I hear I you. Yeah, that's that. the only that, and also I have to say the last. The Thor? No, the Thor one sucks too. Oh come on! Oh, it's horrible. Oh, dude, horrible. <laughs> no, but I, what I will say is the at least the death scene. 
Oh, the, 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 that's one with the female chameleon, yeah? Yes. And just, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, David. He's like, don't be sorry, I'm free. And he dies, and it's, oh, and they play the sad piano music. Yeah, they, they were going oh. to bring him back. There was going to be another movie. That's why they were allowed themselves to have that down ending because wow. they, he was going to, you know, bop out of the grave as the Hulk. Um, then they never got the ratings weren't good enough to get one more movie. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Uh, now, Bill, you know that show is great. That show, that show has that one episode that's a combination of Saw and the Most Dangerous Game, where, I, I where the big game hunter is is hunting and sees. David Banner change and he's like David I had no idea this is even better than hunting humans and he's uh, all excited about hunting the Hulk and he sets up these like saw like scenarios of okay you got 15 seconds to make it to this thing or you know a booby traps, trap is going to go off and I don't even want to spoil it because if you have access to either on Netflix if they're still on Netflix or whatever go watch that what? episode and it has the, like a very cool surprise ending there's some good there's some good stuff in there. I remember there's one where he has to is it McGee the the reporter who yes. has to hunt him down? Yes. Um there's one where he has to help McGee. Yes. And, and it's the one where McGee finally learns that the Hulk is a guy who turns into the Hulk. John Doe. Yes, with the when he's got the big mat, uh, bandage the over his face. Yes. I love that. Oh, that's a great one. No, and then subsequent episodes when he'll see the Hulk running away and he's like, "John, stop." Cuz he called yeah. him John Doe. And, yep. it's, and you can tell that he really wants to, like, no, I'm not, you know, whatever the motivation is now, it's different than when he was initially chasing the story where he does feel a connection to David. Yep. And that's, no, that's yep. good writing, man. That was a good show. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there is there's stuff in there. There is stuff in there. Oh, you know, yeah. we're talking about the, the golden age is 12, but there there's some there's some nuggets. Definitely. Well, that's the thing, man. And, I yeah, I mean, there's a reason why there were several Marvel TV projects running at that time, and yeah, the Hulk. You got to give it credit, man. Same with Wonder Woman. It's like, hey, man, to oh. get th- to get three seasons back then. What, what, before they did the thing where they jump her to the seventies mm-hmm. and give her the like the little robot running around on the floor. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, so, when, when it was just hardcore, it's her fighting Nazis. Yes, you're like, there's some great stuff in there. <laughs> it's it's, fun. There's, there's a lot of there's there's some bad too, but there there's some great. You're like way to go. Yeah, they're fun adventures. No, absolutely, I agree. That's hilarious, man. You're killing me. Okay, that's part one, uh, and I thought that was a great place to pause, and uh, cannot wait to share part two with you. I'm going to give it a day though to give people the chance to uh, really listen to this, and uh, this is great. I, you know, if you're enjoying warm weather and you want something to listen to while you're uh, outside and moving and. Uh, Enjoying the springtime weather. I think uh, you're uh, in for not only this conversation, but also the next one. Uh, I'm going to take care of you. Uh, I know the East Coast is finally getting some warm weather. We're getting our cold weather. It sucks. Really got teased with uh, great springtime weather at the beginning of this week. And we're ending Chile. But that's all right. Because uh, that will work as well if you're, uh, you know, stuck and it's cold and rainy or whatever. And you're, you're doing some spring cleaning inside. Uh, Word Balloon is a good companion for you. And uh, I think Dan, again, will provide great entertainment in part two coming up on Word Balloon. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are great books like uh, You Can Get Flash by Mark Wade, uh, book two. Uh, man, Mark Wade, Greg LaRoque, uh, Roy Richardson uh, among the creative team, a Ty Templeton uh, cover that, uh, man, there they right are. It's Barry, Wally, and Jay all together. Ugh. Can't wait for Jay to come back. They keep teasing us. Are you in that uh, Batman Flash crossover, the button? 
that uh, you know goes back to uh, Jeff Johns' uh, first rebirth issue. It's good. They're hitting all the buttons. I'm telling you. Uh, so does uh, Mark Wade and company on this uh, Flesh uh, Book Two hardcover, and it is uh, 50% off, $17.49. Pretty good for 432 pages when you think about it. Green Lanterns uh, trade paperback volume two, Phantom Lantern. Sam Humphreys. Uh, this is uh, his uh, great book with. Uh, Simon Boz and uh, Jessica Cruz, the newest uh, and most delightful of the Green Lanterns. Got to get Sam on to talk about this series. Uh, Jackson Herbert, or Herbert is uh, the artist, along with uh, Robson Roca, of course, and Eduardo uh, Pasica, Pansica. There we go. It's uh, 42% off. Yeah, like, like they're my neighbors. Uh, $11.59 at InStockTrades.com. Uh, there's also, let's see, you can get uh, Justice League Unwrapped by Jim Lee. I like these uh, black and white presentations of Jim Lee's pencils uh, and uh, finishes. It's it's really lovely. Uh, him and Jeff Johns uh, doing the first uh, story of the new 52. It's uh, all your favorite V-necks in a battle of, of V-necks against Darkseid. I think the V-necks kind of win. But uh, this book is uh, 50% off. 42% off, excuse me, $23.19. Still a great bargain. All of this and more at InStockTrades.com. I know I'm having trouble talking. You'll forgive me. Uh, post C2E2, kids. I'm a little shot, but uh, happy to present uh, today's show and beyond. But uh, get your great deals now at InStockTrades.com. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for your support. Thank you for listening. As, as always, I say it, and I mean it. Thank you for your attention and patience uh, with Word Balloon uh, I uh, hope you're enjoying the conversations I've br- brought you in April. May is already lining up to be another great month. It's scary, man. I uh, I, I don't, you know, it's it's kind of uh, like a, a, when you're on a hot streak, you don't want to change any of your habits because you don't want to break the streak. And so I, I feel like, uh, I feel like uh, boy, uh, Hank Azaria's character on IFC, if you've been watching, is it Brock Meyer? Or let me tell you, what a great guy. That's a funny sounding kind of sports play by play guy. If you haven't watched the show, very funny uh, new sitcom. It's not really, you know, you can't even call that shit a sitcom. It's just a cool comedy on IFC. Brockmeyer with uh, Hank Azaria and Amanda Peet. I love it. It's about a baseball play by play man on the skids, and uh, it is raunchy and hilarious. And I cannot recommend it more. Um, they are five episodes in. It is so damn funny. Uh, so there, even a free uh, TV tip beyond the things that Dan and I talked about today. So more great stuff coming up with Dan Slot on the next episode of Word Balloon. Hope you join me. Until then, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2017.